these little rugrats. They belong to Shane and Kim. There she is right there. Her little rugrats came to my house last night. And I thought to myself, man, I love what I do. These kids were having fun. We played hide-and-go-seek, and I did good. I hadn't played that in a long time. And I hid behind the bathroom door. I was trying to get all skinny, you know. I was trying to suck it all in. And they couldn't find me. And I could hear the little baby say, Pastor Mark, a good hider. <laughs> but they were good hiders too, man. They were hiding in my laundry basket. Man, they was all up. I'm telling you, it was wild, Jay. So they said, can we go outside? I said, yeah, go outside if you want to. We'll, 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 we'll watch you run around in the yard with our big Rottweiler and they were scared at first, but the dog was scared too, and she was outnumbered by those kids. And uh, they was sitting on a, I got a pew on my porch that uh, some dear friends got us for Christmas. And that pew, I like to sit there and pray for you and read my Bible. And I don't drink coffee, but I'll have a glass of tea and talk to God and watch the squirrels play. And those kids were sitting on that pew last night, and they said, Pastor Mark, can we play church? And I said, I guess so. I don't know how to play church, but we can try. And, and it would tell us something, Pat, and I kind of grabbed my little video deal, and, and at the end of my their little, we were talking, because they were singing in the truck, man. We were singing songs. We were having a good time. It reminded me when the kids were little, and I just enjoyed that fellowship with those babies last night. And uh I said, who's your favorite pastor? And they said, you are Pastor Mark. You are our favorite pastor. That stuff there, man, just touched my heart. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it. Kids need to be brought to church. They need to be taught to respect their pastor. They need to be taught to respect the house of God. We got to the dinner table. We fed them some pork chops and Mary knew I was up to something because I was going to surprise her because she always thinks I'm bringing home another dog, but I was bringing home kids this time. And I, and I said, what do we have for supper? And she said, we're having pork chops and macaroni and cheese. I said, how many boxes of macaroni and cheese you make? She said, I made one. It's just me and you and Justin. And I said, well, make another. Why? I said, because I'm hungry. <laughs> and uh, we got in there in the kitchen, Miss Betty, and we got in there in the kitchen, and, and uh, them kids, they – they were sitting at the table. They wanted me on one end, Mary on the other, and they wanted us to pray. They're learning that in our church. And, you know, we go through attacks week after week, month after month, sometimes day after day, and it feels like you're not appreciated. And it feels like you are disrespected. It feels like people could care less sometimes. And, and people get on the Internet and they slander things. So I, I've been debating on doing this, and it's ten things a pastor wished that he could tell the church. But sometimes pastors are afraid to say those things. But I looked at this, Jason, as an opportunity for you to learn. Women, I looked at this as an opportunity for you to learn. Men, I looked at this as an opportunity for you to, to gather your thoughts, think about what you do before you do it. Somebody ought to grab that tonight. Man, you ought to be careful how you treat a man of God. In the Bible, there was a man of God walking down the street. And a group of teenagers came out and they called him bald head, bald head, bald head, bald head, bald head, bald head, bald head. What they were doing, they was mocking him. 
for his relationship with Jesus Christ. They were mocking him because he was, uh, he was, he was serving God. They were mocking him. I've had people sit in this church and heckle me. I've had people just mock me, say things, correct me on my spelling. Get the, you ain't trying to do I know I can't spell. I laugh at you. Ah. But I think to myself how dangerous it is to get online and talk about Joel Osteen. How dangerous it is to get online and talk about Richard Chemain or Mark Grimes or Carrie Shook or or, or Second Baptist Church leader. How dangerous it is to get on there. Because these these guys, these kids were, were mocking the man of God as he was walking down the street. And they were calling him bald head, bald head, bald head. And, and, and all of a sudden, and watch this. This is a true story. I was looking for the scripture, but I, I couldn't find it. I was in a hurry. But you can look it up, find it, Google it, whatever you got to do. And, and, and the bears came out of the woods and mauled them. Devoured them. Why are you where you're at tonight? Because you're not respecting God. You're not respecting the man of God. You're not respecting the church. This is Christ's bride. He touched my heart a couple weeks ago. He said, tell the church I'm not coming back for a girlfriend. I'm coming back for a bride. I'm not coming back for pretenders. I'm coming back for people that are real. So, so it's Pastor's Appreciation Month. And the perfect pastor, this is funny, I, I, I like this, I'll start off with something funny, and I'm going to dive into something serious. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. He condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anybody's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. till midnight, and is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a brand new car. Buys good books and donates $30 of that back to the church. He's 29 years old, but he's, only, he's got 40 years of experience. He's handsome and charming. I got that one down. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers, and he spends most of his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to the church. He makes 15 home visits a day. He's always in his office, too. The perfect pastor always has time for church council and all the committee meetings. He never misses the meeting or any church organizations and never too busy to stop and bend the ear to 17 people after church on Sunday. The perfect pastor is always in the church down the street. thought that was pretty funny. But sometimes people are always looking for that perfect pastor, that perfect man of God. There was only one perfect person, and he died, and he rose, and he lived. And he left us, he left us with a great comforter called the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to do something. As I'm leaving, I need you to do something. I need you to go and tell others. A pastor goes and tells others when others won't. A pastor stands up and tries to live a godly life, not only in front of people, but behind closed doors. The real ones do. There are people out here that 
that don't understand the offense that pastors take. And, and I know some really good pastors. I know some really good pastors. Pastor Tim Bird. I know Pastor Dennis. I know Pastor Gary. I know Pastor Allen. I know Pastor John. I know Pastor from Waller over there, Gene. I know Greg, who's going through hell right now in Magnolia. I know some pastors. John Collier, one of the greatest pastors to ever preached the gospel. Doug. Doug is one of the greatest pastors I know who's going through hell right now. Brother Steve, I know he's one of those pastors that can make you laugh, make you cry, and, and, and make you just think about things. And I thought to myself, man, we need to appreciate these pastors. Even the ones that are, that are called to work inside the church, to work outside the church, to not necessarily be on stage, but to be in different ministries. And, the, and, and, and I was thinking about it, ten things Pastors wish church members knew about the ministry. Number one, we wish you'd stop obsessing over the style of music that we play. I had someone tell me the other day, can't we just get back to the old country music that you used to play? I said, we do play country music sometimes, but we play a wide variety of music. How many understand that we play a wide variety of music? And how many understand that worship is a really good form of getting ready for the Word? And people need to understand this because too many people are leaving churches where the music ain't so great because they, the, the music's always being attacked by Satan. But too many people leave and they go to these big production shows so that they can get the music that they want, that their hair can stand up on the back of their neck. Well, let me tell you something. The music is, is just a preparation for the Word. So the Word is what you need, not the music. But people obsess over the music. Oh, I wish you played more country music instead of that praise and worship. Can't we get a choir going? Can't we get this? Can't we do that? Hey, let old John sing and let this person sing. Let that. We want to get. Quit obsessing over the music. Get your heart right. I was thinking about how important music is. And here's how we pick it at our church Is it singable? We got a screen behind us, and we try to drop it. And even though you can't sing, and I can, I'm just saying, even though we can't all have a good voice, but is it singable? Is it catchy? Is it something that can move you? Is it singable? If it's singable, then we need to be singing it. Them kids was in my truck last night singing. Uh, we were singing, uh, what's that song I did with the name tags? Hello, my name is child of the one true king. Man, them kids were going off. So if the music gets singable, then we need to sing. Is it culture relevant? We're a great big diverse group of people. We got motorcycle riders. We got cowboys. We got senior citizens. We got youngsters. We've done hip-hop up here. Mike Wise came in one day and did a bust a move deal. His hair was green. He had on parachute pants that he bought at Goodwill. He told me that. I think he still had them in his closet from 1982. <laughs> <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't got rid of them parachute pants. We got kids that like hip-hop. Miss Betty and John, they love hip-hop. They listen to it in their car all the time. Is that true, Miss Betty? That's what I hear. That's what Miss Big says. You're riding with you. 
I'm going to get you a hip-hop CD. Somebody get that lady a hip-hop CD. We love the Gaithers. We love the McCainies. Is it culture relevant? Yeah, it's culture relevant. We got black people in our church, white people in our church, Spanish people in our church. We got young people. We got old people. As long as it's relative and it can reach one person and get them ready for the word, then that's what's important. So can I, can I share this with you? Mary don't need to hear you complaining about the music. Donnie don't need to hear you complaining about it's too loud or it's too low or too this. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. The second thing a pastor wish he could tell you, but he don't tell you, but this one kind of does a lot. I wish you knew how much we needed your help. Really, I wish you knew how much we needed your help. There is a position for you in this church. But you got to get in it. I can't put you in it. You got to get in that position. Well, where do you need me, Pastor? You know I'll be here. Well, that's up to God where He wants you. But we need you. You can start by cleaning toilets. That's the most honorable position in this church is to scrub God's toilets. So many people behind the scenes are, are working, mowing grass, picking up trash, feeding animals. And, 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 and just getting ready, welding when you don't see them, and, 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 and gathering up sticks and putting them in a pile. That way that your truck don't have to run over it when you get here. There's so many things that, that, that there's a spot that you need to be in. But you choose not to get in that spot. You need to be in that spot. We have different ministries. We create different ministries. I'm all the time, you tell them, Mary, I'm all the time telling them, we got to give these people something to do. we got to give them something to do. If they like to fish, let's start a fishing ministry. If they like to play golf, let's start a golfing ministry. If they like to sow, let's start a sowing ministry. I don't want to lose nobody to the devil. So, But these people want to do it for a minute, and then it becomes work, and they don't want to do it anymore. You know, I was thinking about it. I wish you knew how much Caney Creek Cowboy Church needed your help. You can pretty much assume that in any given church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It takes a small army of volunteers to make things happen each week. Most people come to church and don't think about how the sound is operated, how the, the, the chairs are supposed to be prepared, how the, 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 the worship guys are supposed to be folded. When you give your time, even just an hour or two as a volunteer, it takes a tremendous amount of stress off of me and others that are leading these ministries. A tremendous amount of pressure. If I know that you're coming, I ain't got to worry about it. But if you say you're coming and you don't show up, and it makes my job harder because somebody's got to do it. And I'm not going to let God down. Last year, we were getting ready for our fall festival. And there was one particular individual said, put me anywhere, put me anywhere, put me anywhere. We said, man, we need you on hot dogs. I think that offended her. She wrapped about 10 or 15 hot dogs. Next thing you know, the apron was in the floor and she was gone. Other people were dependent on her. The, see, we, we had an assembly line. And all of a sudden, there's a gap in the assembly line because this position's above you. 
Well, let me tell you something. There ain't nothing above me. If you want to be first, you got to be last, the Bible says. You know, and, and maybe because you're on this ministry and you get all prideful and you get all boastful is the reason that people don't want to serve. I tell my people all the time, I say, check yourself, man. These young people, these new Christians, they want to serve. Don't come and give them attitude. Don't act like you're the best bull pusher. Don't act like you're the best concession stand worker. Don't act like you're the best person that can do this. Love those people and train them and kiss them on the mouth and tell them you appreciate them. Really, in the mouth, whatever. Maybe they come back next week. And if they were single, maybe they'd get a good little eye on you. I believe that Tony and Josh were working together one day, and this is how all this started. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. How'd that go down, Tony? Tell me about it later. I'm not quite sure. Brian and Amy, I'm not sure how y'all get together up in this place. Another thing I wish you would do, I wish you would come to me personally and privately when you have a complaint. If you have a complaint about something, don't go to somebody else. Why don't you come to me like a man or like a woman? I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm going to give you an explanation why we do the things we do and the way we do things. If you don't like them, hey, I'm sorry. I'm probably not going to change them. But if you've got a better idea than me, I'm going to listen to it. We might change it. But I can't know if you're mad at me and you're going telling Mary Ellen things and you're going telling Carl things and you run over here. Oh, well, uh, she said most of the time the one with the problem blames it on you anyway. I usually know when the person comes up and says, hey, oh, such and such has said you did this, 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 and this. I usually know it's that person right there that's looking at me, but they're too big of a coward. If you have a problem with me, come tell me. If you have a problem with Danny, go tell Danny. Stand up, Danny. Everybody has a problem with you all the time. <laughs> if you have a problem with the way Danny does, stand up. I didn't tell you to sit down. Got a problem with your listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come up here. Come up here. Come right here. Don't you think you could get more accomplished by talking to him this way? Instead of this way. Don't you think we become a stronger family if we talk face to face instead of behind each other's backs? The coward talks about people behind their back. I, listen to me. and I, Thank you, Danny. God bless you, brother. I wish you would come to me personally, privately. If you had a complaint, don't write a letter, especially an anonymous one. Don't call me on the phone from unavailable because I don't answer those. <laughs> don't talk to someone else about the issue. Don't air your grievances out on social media like people with no class do. I'll say that again. Like people with no class do. <laughs> if I've taught you one thing, I've taught you to have class. If I've taught you one thing, to live a life that honors God and to have class, Caney Creek Cowboy Church is a class act. So you ought to start advertising your life as a class act instead of getting on social media. And I mean, Can I say this? When you put something retarded on social media, everybody sees it. 
And they sat back and said, I don't want to have nothing to do with her. I don't want to have nothing to do with him. Because they're classless. They got no class. You need to vent, vent to God. You need an answer for your problem, talk to him. You need some help, come talk to me face to face. Classless people do classless things. I've been a recipient of that. And it ain't no fun. Anybody ever been a recipient of somebody? Carl, you and Sarah went through that last year. It ain't no fun, is it? How'd you feel about that? Yeah, you felt like you wanted to go kill them all. Carl was putting bullets in his gun and his boots and put Jason and Amanda in a hard position. Classless people put things out on social media because they're scared and they're cowards. Does anybody agree with me or not? People come to me personally if you're unhappy about something I've done or I haven't done. Most of the time, I don't even know I've done it. Most of the time, you walk around offended, and I don't even know I offended you until somebody else tells me. Oh, you made old such and such mad. What would I do? Well, you was talking about their sister, and I said I was. I had this happen to me not too long ago. I had one so mad at me, they said, they said I was talking about their sister. I said, I don't know their sister. I said, go get them and bring them to my office. They came to my office, and they sat there, and she was mad. I thought she could whoop me, too. She, was, she, got the, she had the evil eye going on. And I said, what's the matter, baby? She said, you've been talking about my sister. I said, I don't know your sister. She come to church here? No, she lives in Dallas. I said, do what? She said, she lives in Dallas. I said, she ever been here? No, she ain't never been here. I'm telling y'all the truth. I ain't making this stuff up, man. I've been through some stuff. This lady wanted to whoop me down. She said, I, you've been talking about my sister. I said, do what? I said, she ever been here? No. She lives in Dallas. I said, she ain't never came here before? No. I said, well, what did I say about your sister? How did I offend your sister? Well, you were preaching against homosexuality. And my sister's living that lifestyle. So what you're telling me is I offended you. Because I preached the truth. And the truth always sets somebody free. And let me tell you where my heart is. I love your sister. I like to go out to eat with your sister. I like to fellowship with your sister. I love your sister to be in my church. I'd love her to come to one of my events. I'd love her to come right here and sit on the front row. I'd love to hear our music and be a part of our family. I love your sister. I'll never understand her sin and I'll never condone her sin. But I'll love her the same way I love you and the same way Jesus loves us. We got that resolved. Hallelujah. We got that resolved because she was brave enough to tell me what she was thinking. I had to hear it from somebody else first, but I was so glad that they came in. If you don't have the guts to speak to someone personally about a complaint, you don't deserve the respect of being heard. If you don't have the guts to tell somebody face to face, you don't have the respect that needs to, to be heard. Where did that come from? Billy Graham. Billy Graham said that. I imagine that people slandered Billy Graham all over the world. Anytime you get somewhere in life, there's going to be people to hate on you. 
If you don't have the guts to speak to someone personally about a complaint, you don't deserve the respect of being heard. In addition, don't complain about a problem unless you plan to be part of the solution. And I'm going to move on before somebody gets their feelings hurt. But that's okay, I agree. Number four, I wish you knew how much sometimes we need a sabbatical around here. Pastors work an average of 100 hours a week. There's not a vacation that they take a lot of times. They're on call 24-7, seven days a week. They feel exhausted, depleted, fatigued. They're usually out of shape like I am. A sabbatical is a great investment in a pastor to help ensure a long-term ministry. Most people don't understand the purpose of a sabbatical. It's not a vacation, but rather a purposeful break to get their life lined back up with the call that God has put on them. Me and Mary have been invited to a sabbatical in Yoakum, Texas, free of charge, all meals included. We even pay you gas to get here. We hear about how much you're doing over there, Pastor Mark. And we have a heart for ministries like yours, and we want to take care of you and your wife to come to sabbatical. You ask her, when you don't see me too much or when I'm gone for a week or if I go here, it's because I can't do any more. I'm only human. Pastors are only human. So if you leave this church and you go to another one and you try to mess it up, remember that guy's human. You try to mess that church up or you go hopping over here, 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 and that guy needs a break. And most of the time they need a break from people. To get their heart right. I like to be one of them big time pastors who take six months sabbaticals. One day, Lord, one day. But I know pastors that take sabbaticals for months. Because they know how valuable their ministry is. I want to get better at that myself. I want to. I want to take a sabbatical. I want to make sure that I'm right with God. I want to make sure that I'm refreshed in His Spirit. That way when I'm preaching, I'm preaching what He wants me to preach and not what's going on. I've seen too many ministries get destroyed because preachers preach what's going on and not what God tells them to preach. If he'd had a sabbatical, if he'd had some time off, then maybe he'd have been preaching what God wanted him to preach and all things could have got resolved. been guilty of that myself. I love this one. I wish everyone in our church would help visitors feel welcome. Caney Creek does that so well. Give yourselves a round of applause tonight. How many people know that's important to make visitors feel welcome? That you get up and you go as much as you can and make somebody feel welcome. They're still, hey, y'all do me a favor. Open your eyes. Touch somebody say, open your eyes. Touch somebody say, open your eyeballs. Will y'all do me a favor? Open your eyes this Sunday when I say it's time for meet and greet and when you stand because you love people like I love people, I want you to see the ones that ain't standing the ones that ain't moving. They're all over this place. I got one right now that says he ain't coming back. We too friendly. I said hallelujah. I wouldn't want you to mess that up with your bad attitude. Remember what, uh, remember what, uh, uh, 
the president told me one time, the president told me, uh, not the president of the United States, but the president of Cowboy Church, he said, some people you love to see come across that cattle guard, some people you love to see go across that cattle guard. I wish everyone in our church would help visitors feel welcome. I realize that on Sunday morning, you like to talk to your friends. It feels like a family reunion in this church sometimes. But imagine the first time you walked into this place. And what if somebody wouldn't have talked to you? I, I'm, an adv I'm an advocate for taking someone else new out to eat. Go around and visit with somebody. Set with somebody else. Ladies are really bad at this. They don't get this. Ladies, you got to get this tonight. Get around. Meet new women. Meet the families. Set with the children. Pull them in. Pull them in. Some of y'all are stuck to this role that, you're, that, that, that this is your spot and this is your seat and this is where I sit. Leroy Hawk, he was the world's worst. There's a, there's a pair of horseshoes right here on the, that's his spot. If somebody was in his spot, man, he'd be madder than mud. He'd be, he'd be at church all night pounding. We got my spot, man, those are my horseshoes. Remember that? I love Leroy. I ain't picking on him. I love him. I used to tell him, Leroy, those are God's horseshoes. That's God's spot. Why don't you try it? Why don't you move from there to there to there to there to sit over here and go sit by somebody you don't know. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel welcome this Sunday and every Sunday after. And then when church is over, ask them to go eat. And then Wednesday night, see your friend, sit with your friend, talk with your friend. Monday, hang out with your friend. Tuesday, hang out with your friend. But Sunday, let's keep them here. I wish more parents, this one is my heart, I wish more parents took responsibility for their spiritual leadership in their homes. Somebody ought to hear that tonight. Many people believe that it's the, many parents believe that it's the church's job to educate their children about spiritual matters. While the church certainly plays an important role, the parents have the primary responsibility for their children's spiritual warfare. How many are reading the Bible with their children? Don't raise your hand because I'd hate for you to die lying. How many are going home and reading the Bible with their children? Breaking the Bible out, reading it together as a family. I challenge you to do that. That makes the job around here a lot better. You can always, 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 always tell the ones that ain't. How can we tell the ones that ain't? Their children don't respect their parents. But if you bring God into the house and you open up the Bible and you start doing Bible study, man, they feel good about mom and dad. They start to listen to mom and dad. You're teaching them the Bible. And they're, you're teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. And then all of a sudden you say, little Johnny, go sit down. Little Johnny goes and sits down. Why? Because mom and dad have taught them to listen that's an important to be the spiritual leader in your home in my house I'm the spiritual leader in my home I don't take that lightly they're 21 and 18 but we're still honoring God in my house we're still having Bible studies we're still going over daily devotionals we're still getting ready for church a lot of times I can't make them get up and go to Sunday school, man. But you know what? They're around here all the time doing Sunday school. 
You don't understand that. I had somebody tell me that the other day. Why don't your kids go to Sunday school? Usually because they're out here on Sunday night school, Saturday night school, Friday night school, Tuesday night school, Thursday night school, Wednesday night school. My goodness, I might kill them. Have so much Jesus, they die. You can never have enough. But you can start at home. We can shake heads till we're blue in the face. D'Angelo and Garen Bynum. Man, I've been praying, praying, and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying. There was a period there where I knew that some things needed to change, and I was watching God from the, I was looking in their window, and I was watching God because I was in here one night right before they got married, and I peeked my head in the back door, and I watched D'Angela wash Garen's foot, his feet in a bucket. The day before they got married, she had set a chair in here and had candlelights all around, and she had washed his feet. They had the lights off in the church. Nobody else was around. I came up. I saw what was happening. I just started crying. I just started weeping, and I heard her say, Please be the spiritual leader of our home. And then God called them out of this church and into Waco. And they're bouncing around looking for church, looking for church, looking for church, and just couldn't find a good fit. I just began to pray, and I just began to pray. Then they had an accident with a gun that could have killed somebody in their home. I still kept praying and praying. I said, God, God, let Garen find them a church. Today they have a church home. Today, the kids are in church. Today, the whole house is serving God. That's how much I care. That's how much a pastor should care. When I don't see you, I care about you. Whether you believe that or not, I care about you. You don't have to believe that, but you can know that I'm telling you the truth. You don't come, I look for your cars. I do. And I don't need your tithe money. I make my own money. I look for you because I'm caring about your well-being, your spiritual well-being. Two Sundays out of church, three Sundays out of church, four Sundays out of church, five Sundays out of church, six Sundays you walk back in here, the first words out of your mouth will be, I don't know anybody. And then the devil's going to say, yeah, that's a different place than you used to go. Yeah, that's a different place than you used to go. Yeah, yeah, that's grow, it's changed. Let's go look for some more churches. Next Sunday, you say, well, let's don't go this week, and let's don't go next week. And then you try to find another church, and then you try to find another church. And next thing you know, the cousin's having a family reunion. They're doing something at the lake this weekend. And over and over and over again, I see people never come back to church. But if there were some spiritual leaders in the home, say, get up, get dressed, time to go. Get up, get dressed. Grandmas, grandpas, listen to me. Your job is to get them kids up, get them dressed, get them on their way. As a grandfather, as a leader, show your young man, show your boys. They're in their 20s and 30s. Hey, I'm in church. Come join me. I wish parents took responsibility for spiritual leadership in their home. I mean, agree with that tonight, amen? I wish men would rise up to the challenge of leadership. 
men have become strangely passive in our culture. Fewer and fewer men are rising up as good, strong, godly leaders in their home, businesses, and committees. To the younger men, I say this is, a, this is something that needs to change. I highlighted what Sam did because he's a young man. He wanted other young men to say, hey, that was honorable. I want to be like Sam. I want to lead that off myself. I want other men to say, I want to be like Pastor Mark. I want to be like, be like Brother Paul, be like Joe Biggs. They're faithful. They're godly men. You know, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Men, wake up. Wake up. Work hard. Go to church. Pay your tithes. Teach your kids. Don't cuss your wife out. Don't treat her like she's trash. Don't beat your kids. Don't drink. Don't lie. Quit lying. Quit cheating. Work hard for everything you got. When you got something, be proud and know that it came from God. We need men to rise up in this nation right now and take it back over. To the men in the midlife, 40s, 50s, 30s, it's a busy time of life for you. You're deep into your families. You're deep into your careers. You have little time for anything else. I want to tell you tonight, you need to make time. You need to make time. Your kids need you and your wife needs you. God needs you. To the older men, I say church has changed a lot in your lifetime. It's easy to be frustrated. I realize that. You see these kids come in now, and you see how they're dressed and how they look. But please don't just be an observer. No matter where those young people are, try to love them. I had a couple one time say, we don't fit in here. We're over 60. I said, you don't see all the people in my church that's over 60? Yeah, but you don't have a senior ministry. I said, why don't you start one? Why don't you go out here and start talking to these 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds? Y'all do bingo? No, not really. But we do invest in people's lives really well. And for that, we can say bingo. And we can all be winners. Last but not least, I wish you knew how much your encouragement means. I'm often more discouraged than you realize. I usually do a pretty good job of hiding it. But to be perfectly honest, the weight of leadership, the criticism, the pressure, the expectations, the spiritual attacks are sometimes more than I can bear. When you send me an encouraging email or a note or a text, you're praying for me, it makes my entire week. It makes my day. I told you guys, don't give me a gift for pastor's appreciation. You are my gift. You are a gift to me. I don't need a thing that says I'm a pastor. I don't need a money. I don't need anything. I just need your encouragement. It's a great opportunity we have as a church to learn and grow from what we learned here tonight. And all this is backed up with biblical principles. But I think it's very important 
that God wants you to honor his men and his women that are in service. And if you don't teach your kids, nobody else will. I got people to have their kids come run up and call me, Mark, Mark. I don't say nothing. I got adults that call me, Mark, Mark, Mark. I don't say nothing. Boy, if we could just teach the church by example, by example, that you would be the example, you'd be the encourager, you would be the support to younger people, you would be the lady that don't complain about the music, you would be the one that sees something going on and go and confront somebody about it instead of talking to somebody else about it. I had someone tell me the other day, I just can't even stand to go smoke anymore. I said, I thought I cleaned up all that gossip around there. Well, it's back. I said, well, I guess I'll be back over there because I'm not going to tolerate it. Because the coward talks about people behind their back. You know, Pastor's Appreciation Month. Maybe you know a pastor like me that needs some encouragement. Maybe you could stop by another church this week and say, I know you don't know me, but just want to tell you I appreciate you. So all day tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do. Why don't you join me in that? Stop by church, see somebody there, ask for the pastor. Go to Joe Osteen's church and knock on the door and see if they'll let you in. Tell them you appreciate them. I love you so much. And you guys do have my heart and my wife's heart. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, these things that were said tonight, would invest dividends in pastors around the world if churches could just hear it. Maybe we should tell it. Maybe you and I should understand it's dangerous business slandering pastors. It's dangerous business running down men of God. I could tell you nightmare stories, but I don't even know if you'd believe me. But Lord, let them believe in you tonight. That you don't call the equipped, you equip the ones you call. And if you have somebody in a certain spot, whether it be running a Sunday school or being a care pastor or, or, or in a country church somewhere, that there would be people that would just adore them and love them and encourage them. The work is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want to encourage this church tonight. Keep a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Thank God that you're in a place that's growing. Lord, be in this place always. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen.